0: Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I was thinking a little bit about time this week, because we're at the last day of 2023, and I I bet if you haven't heard it yet, sometime today, you're going to hear something along these lines. Didn't that year just go by so fast? Can you believe it's the end of 2023 already? And then I had someone share this with me this past week. That if you take the year 1970, and some of us can actually remember, well, maybe not remember, but at least know about the year 1970, and you fast forward to 2024... And then you go backwards the same amount of years that you've come forward from 1970. Do you know what year it puts you in? 1916. Just let your brain just kind of figure that out for a second. How far away, how fast time can go That 54 years seems like nothing, right? Time. It's a big part of what we do every day, isn't it? How many times do you look at a clock on the wall or a watch on your wrist or the time on your cell phone? How often do you flip through your calendar to see what day is, it is and what is coming up on your schedule? Time can be something that is a huge benefit, but it also can be a little fearful, can't it? To think about time and how fast it passes. Today, the message that the Apostle Paul gives us, reminds us two things about the way God sees time. First of all, it's not something to be afraid of because our times are in our Father's hands. He's the one who sets times for each of us. But then secondly, time never has to be a fearful thing because of what God has done for us and the status that we have through him. So I was thinking a little bit about status, too, and I I know I might be going out on a limb here. Maybe some of you are Monopoly players. Maybe you've played the the game of life. But just on the off chance that somebody has seen this game, has anybody ever played the game Rat Race? It's a board game. Anyone? Okay, my family. That's it. (laughs) And, And here's why, because one year we showed up at Grandma's house and she had a board game that she picked up at a rummage sale, and it was Rat Race. And it's kind of a fun game. It's got the same idea as life and monopoly. There are three sections around the board. One is working class, then there's the middle class, and then there's high society. And your goal in the game is to ascend to high society and retire comfortably. And that's how you win the game. But here's what you have to do along the way. You have to gather status symbols. Because that's what really shows you that you've made it to that next level. So you have to drive the right car and wear the right jewelry and have the right furniture in your house and artwork. And so it's kind of an interesting way to see how real life seems to work, doesn't it? I mean, isn't that a perfect description of what so many in our world are doing? Running a race like a rat to try and get the most that they can out of this life? And then they wonder, maybe we do too, Are we good enough? Have we made it? Do we have enough status to be considered someone? And that question gets even more important when you think about our status before God. Is there anything about me that allows me to stand before God and say, Here, look at what I have. Look at what I've done. Look at my status before you. And I think you know the answer to that. I don't. And neither do you. But here's the wonder of Christmas. That in that baby that was born in Bethlehem, we have been given status before God. We're called not his servants, not his enemies, but we're called his sons and daughters. That's what Paul is going to remind us in Galatians chapter 4 today. The wonderful status that we have before God through the wonder of Christmas. And we'll see that God accomplished this first by sending his own son to take our place. And through that son that he sent us, God makes us his sons and daughters. If you have a chance this week, read through the book of Galatians. It's pretty short. It's six chapters long. And in that book, Paul just beautifully describes for us how it is that we're saved. Through Christ and and by the faith that we've been given, that's what makes us children of God and heirs of eternal life. But here's something interesting in in writings that are found in in Greek and Hebrew. uh, It's a little different sometimes than the way we might write things today, where everything builds up to crescendos to the climax at the end of the story. In, In Hebrew and Greek, it was not uncommon to have the story build to the middle And then have a decrescendo from the climax in the middle. And that's how Paul writes the book of Galatians. And right smack in the middle of the book of Galatians are the verses that we read before and we'll read a little bit again. Paul is reminding us that we're children of God and heirs of eternal life. And he does it in a neat way. He compares two different places in a family. The child and the servant. And Paul makes the case that for a while you can hardly tell the difference because both of them rely on the family. Both of them are put to work by the family. But there is one significant difference. One of those two, the son or the servant, one of those two is the heir and the other one is not. And if you think about it, that difference makes all the difference. The status that someone has makes all the difference in their place In the family. You see, where the son has an inheritance, the servant does not. And and Paul goes one step further as he's preparing us for these verses. He says, for a time, because of the status that that son has, the father might even assign to him someone to guard him, someone to watch over him, to make sure that he makes it through some of the temptations and the dangerous times that he might have as a young man. And that time set by the Father is what Paul is going to pick up on in chapter 4, verse 4. But but I want to talk a little bit about inheritance before that. And maybe the best Bible story that, that we can remember together to understand inheritance is actually a parable that Jesus taught in Luke chapter 15. Do you remember it? The parable of the lost son. Do you remember that the man had two sons and the younger son had come to his father and said, you know, I I don't really want to wait around. I think I'd like my inheritance right now. The father grants it, probably knowing full well what the young man was planning or what he was going to do. And do you remember what he did? He moved out. He took off. And he spent that money in wild living and partying and, and all of his friends were more... Maybe I should put the word friends in quotation marks because they were all all more than happy to spend his money with him until the money ran out and then so did his friends and it wasn't just the friends that ran out but his hope, his joy, it was gone. He reached rock bottom. Do you remember in Jesus' parable, he actually has the young man go and hire himself out to feed pigs the lowest possible job that Jesus could list. And even as he was feeding the pigs, he just wanted to eat a little bit of the food that he was giving for them. And it's then, it's then that that son comes to his senses and says, wait a minute. In my father's house, the servants are treated better than I'm living right now. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to my father and tell him I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. Make me your servant. But you know what happens, don't you? While well, he's still a long way off. The father sees him and comes running to meet him. He won't even let him get his confession out. He welcomes him back home as a son and puts him right back in his place in the family. Can you just keep that picture in mind as we read these next verses to understand that spiritually speaking, that's exactly what God has done for you and for me? You see, we don't have any status before God on our own. There's no way that we could present ourselves to God and think that somehow we have the worth to become his children. At best, we could hope to be his servants. And yet God calls you, and he calls me, his sons and daughters. Listen to how Paul writes it in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 5. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Those are beautiful verses. And those two verses encapsulate the wonder of Christmas, why it is that every year we celebrate that Jesus was born in Bethlehem as a baby. Paul starts out and just tells us this was a set time. God knew exactly what he was doing. The one who created time knows exactly how to run that time as well. But Paul's description goes a little bit further, too. He says that that this person that came to the earth was the son of God. God sent his son, Paul says. Again, we hear those words so often, sometimes it's hard to even fathom What was all involved in God bringing His own Son into the flesh, or as John wrote it, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us? What God is telling us here is that Jesus was a mystery, something that you and I cannot wrap our human brains around. That at how are you, Jet? (laughs) All right, excellent, God. God sent his Son to be a Savior who, first of all, was divine. Think about that. It's Jesus, the Son of God, who's clothed in human flesh. Jesus had to be God's Son to carry out our salvation, but he also had to be human, truly, fully human. And that's why he was born of a woman, born of the Virgin Mary, Conceived by the Holy Spirit and brought into this world through Mary herself to be the Savior that we all need. Maybe that's the best part of these verses. Did did you hear the why God did this? God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law. Maybe we don't use that word anymore except if we're at the grocery store with a coupon and then we redeem the coupon. But do you remember what that word means? It means to buy back to purchase something back from someone else. And isn't that exactly what Jesus did? We were in slavery, servants to sin, to death, to Satan. And Jesus said, not so fast. I'm going to pay a price. Not coins, not money, not gold or silver, but his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. And the result? Paul just says it this way. We have adoption to sonship. Another translation says it this way, we have the full rights of children. God has made us his own by sending Jesus into this world. That's the wonderful status that you have. Maybe you've, you've had a time in your life where you sort of felt like the person on the screen, sort of like you're on the outside looking in, you, you don't quite belong Maybe you've had friends that have gone out sometime and you didn't get an invite or a birthday party that you thought you might be invited to and you weren't. It doesn't feel good, does it, to be one of those people on the outside? You want to be in the know. You want to know what's happening. You want to be there. And maybe there are times we feel as if we're on the outside looking in from God. And isn't that what Satan whispers in our ears? Have you heard his voice telling you things like, those sins that you've committed are far too bad for God to forgive? There's no way that God will ever love you based on all of the things that you have done wrong in your life. You can't ever hope to measure up to what God says. That's what he wants us to hear. And we know the devil is a liar. But here's what makes him so tricky. His lies always have a little bit of truth to them, don't they? Because if we look at our own lives, we know that Satan is right. We know that we don't measure up to God. We can never be good enough for him, that we can't do the things that God requires of us and we've done the things that he forbids us to do. But here's the lie to see through. The lie of Satan that he wants you to believe that you can forget. That God did something special to change your status. You see, Satan doesn't want you to celebrate Christmas. He doesn't want you to think about your wonderful status as a child of God. He wants you to think about all of the bad things in your life. And God declares you his own son or daughter. He declares you free from sin and his children for eternity. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing to hear God say that to you and to me? To quiet those whispers of Satan. To say as Jesus did once, get behind me, Satan. And to focus on those promises of God. Listen to how Paul says it in verses 6 and 7. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also An heir. God calls us his children, his sons. That's not meant to be an exclusive word, but an inclusive word, because Paul, remember, is picking up on this idea of the difference between a son who stands to inherit something from his father and a servant who doesn't. Maybe it's just as simple for us today to say that we are all sons and daughters of Jesus, that that's what he calls us. God calls us his children. He's pleased to call us his father. Again, we should just marvel at that. Every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, that we can say our father. That's who God is to us as his children. But I want to talk just a little bit about the language that Paul uses in verses 6 and 7 because this is a little lost on us in English. And maybe you've noticed this throughout your lifetime it's difficult in English sometimes to know when you use the word you, Y-O-U, whether the person is talking to you individually or a whole big group of people collectively. I don't know about you, but I kind of appreciate how they do it in the South, because it's easy to tell the difference. It's either you or y'all, and then you know that they're talking about a group of people. But, but we simply say you, and you kind of are left to put it together through context most languages aren't like that and it's true of the greek too and so it's amazing what the what the apostle paul does here i'm going to take you back to verse 6 just for a second in verse 6 he says this because you are his sons and that's plural he's talking to everybody all of you are his sons through faith in jesus but then in verse 7 he gets personal and he changes the language from plural to singular So where I have those words underlined, the word you in verse 7, it's as if Paul is pointing to each one of you individually. You, 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 you are a child and an heir. Isn't that amazing use of language to go from the collective, yeah, you're all included, to, no, I'm talking to you, each one of you. What a beautiful thing Paul does to assure you and me that we are exactly what God says. We're heirs of eternal life. And then we have to ask, well, what is this inheritance? What is it that we stand to inherit from God calling us his heirs? You know, right? It's heaven. It's the place that he's prepared for us. That place where many rooms are reserved in your name and mine. To live with our Heavenly Father in the perfect joy and glory there. That's your inheritance. That's the eternity that's yours because you are sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. And that's something to enter a new year with as we wrap up 2023 and look to 2024 with that knowledge of the status that you have before God and what it means for you today and forever. A few takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, God, God sent his son Jesus at the set time to bring us salvation. You might remember this prophecy from Isaiah chapter nine, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Number two, we have the status of God's children because we are redeemed by Jesus' blood. The Apostle John wrote it this way, how great the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. Finally, number three, as children, each one of us is an heir with eternity as our inheritance. To the Colossians, Paul wrote this, give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to be a part of the inheritance of the kingdom of light. Those are great words. So here we are, about 13 hours away from 2023 becoming 2024. And what will 2024 hold? We don't know the answer to that, do we? But if it's anything like the other years that I've lived through, then 2024 will be filled with blessings and filled with some challenges as well. And yet there's one constant, and that constant is Jesus. And the constant that Jesus brings to you is the status that you get to live with every single day as sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. This is a wallpaper I found. I haven't put it on my phone yet, but I'm thinking about it. Maybe I should put it on my walls at home if they actually make it. But can we at least do this? That little phrase, child of God, just wallpaper that in your heart and in your mind. Here's maybe a challenge for you for the first days and weeks and see if you can do it every day in 2024 and beyond. When you wake up each morning, will you just repeat that phrase? I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God, a son or a daughter of the Heavenly Father and an heir of eternal life. That's the wonderful status you have before God. I can't promise you what's going to happen But I know if I remind myself of that as I wake up in the morning, it kind of changes the way I think about my day. I'm a child of God. And as I look ahead to serving God at that day, I also look ahead to my inheritance. And so do you. A life forever with our Lord in heaven. All because of the wonderful status he has given us. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.